Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another edition of AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Michael Matsuda, the superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District. And as our audience knows, this show is dedicated to careers and jobs and job pathways and the future of work for our 30,000 students. I'm so pleased that we have uh, an amazing guest today, uh, a teacher at Kennedy High School, a district teacher of the year. We have 1,200 teachers, so uh, this is just an amazing honor, and she's going to be a finalist for the Orange County Teacher of the Year, but uh, she is our Teacher of the Year. I'd like to introduce Paula Paola Rosenberg. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ms. Ratsuda. So you have an amazing lived experience. Uh, you are a Kennedy grad, but it wasn't easy. As a uh, first-generation uh, immigrant student born in Costa Rica, an English learner whose parents, like so many of our parents, sacrificed and struggled for their children. So can you share with the audience a little bit of your story? And you you were a Kennedy grad and ended up becoming a Kennedy teacher. Sure. Um my family is from Costa Rica, and um, it was at the time when there was um, a civil war between um, in Nicaragua, and so it really affected Costa Rica. And at that point in time, my family said, well, should we stay here and deal with the civil war, or do we stay here? And so my family did a split, and half of them came to the United States, to the L.A. region, and then the rest of them stayed behind. And so... I started off in Los Angeles and Hollywood, went to Downey, then ended up in Buena Park. And then finally, um, that was at a time in the 90s when there was a lot of gang violence in the Buena Park area. And my mother was like, I don't want you to go to Buena Park. I don't feel like you would fit in. And so she started asking about different schools in the area. And she found out about Kennedy. And just then there, everybody said, this school is phenomenal. This school is the school. Like, this is where you want your daughter to go. And so we started, um, we registered and got into Kennedy, uh, sorry, Walker. And then at that point in time, the district was checking addresses. So I couldn't, I couldn't use an address I had to make sure that we were actually living there. And so what ended up happening is that my mother and um, talked to the family and my father and they said, okay, we want her to go here. We're going to need to commit to buying a home in the area so that she can actually go to the school. So my mom who cleans houses still does my dad, who's a truck driver who still is. And my, my aunts and my grandparents, they all gave a little pot of money and they, that's how they put the down payment for the house in La Palma. But because like I said, my parents had very low income jobs, so we just could not afford the mortgage. And so, um, we slept in the garage while the house was rented. And so I did this for the first few years that I went to Kennedy. And then eventually um, we started the IB program my junior year. And so that's how I started. That's where we started. That's where we ended up in Kennedy. And then, um, and now I'm back. <laughs> so you really relate to a lot of the lived experiences of our young people, immigrants, English learners, uh, having to deal with poverty, and um, but at the same time, benefiting from a strong uh, family. And I think that uh, many uh, American families are dependent on the family structure. But I think especially in the Hispanic community, families uh, mean a lot. 
Very much. It's uh, it's a driving factor for, I know for us, it's even the factor that determines what university you end up with. So you can still be at home so you can help. Like still to this day, my mom doesn't drive freeway and uh, on a freeway. And so sometimes I will find myself leaving work exactly as early as I can so I can go take her to her doctor's appointment in Irvine or something. And so um, the generational families that we have built, it's so important to us. And I think a lot of us, a lot of people in the Hispanic community, we, we know the importance of our family and we keep the tradition and we try to make sure that we're always connected to our families. So you ended up studying science and becoming a science teacher. I did. So I, I got a degree in um, cellular biology with a biotechnology concentration and a minor in organic chemistry. And then um, my in-laws actually who were in education, um, they worked with um, students with disability in the, and then my mother-in-law was a, the department head for Los Angeles County Office of Education for the visually impaired. They're the ones that are like, you would be a good teacher. I'm like, you're just saying that. And then I, I said, let me give it a shot. Let me try a little bit. And if I will do some student teaching or something, and if it's just not for me, then I'll step back out. And um, I immediately fell in love. But I think that also where I started teaching was a huge factor for um my pedagogy and my belief system and what I believe in a classroom should look like. Um, I chose a school that was the complete opposite of Kennedy. Kennedy was almost like a hamlet, a haven. It's just, it was so idyllic. And so I knew that I needed to see something else. And I started off my teaching career in uh, South of Oakland. It's called Hayward. And it's predominantly like 50% African-American, about 30%. Hispanic population, and then a very long, a large um, Samoan Fijian population, and um, a very large migrant student population. So I had a lot of students that were working in fields with their parents or on plants of, and like packing plants of some sort. And it was so different to what I saw at Kennedy that it just, it kind of humbled me greatly. And then it showed me that even though I've struggled, that there was still much more out there and that I needed to be aware of those types of students and what I can do to create an experience in my classroom that would make them feel safe and comfortable and happy to learn. And, and engaged, right. Um, and that's really probably the early, before they were called five C's, I'm sure you yeah. were doing a lot of the five C's then in terms of building a community. So I know that you're very aware of who you are as a, a young Latina, right? And um, and you're and you're in a field that we've um, there aren't that many uh, people of color, blacks and Latinos. I mean, Asians and whites tend to go into and mostly male into what we call the traditional STEM fields. How how has that impacted you? And do you think that being a woman in a STEM field has made a difference for young people? I feel like a lot, not just at, at our campus, that it's pretty, there's a lot of strong females on my campus that are phenomenal science people and science teachers. Um, I think that because we know that we are not rare, but a minority, that our voices are louder because they have to be. And so we also try to 
almost gently push our students into it. So like, no, you can do this. Like this is this is completely manageable. This is completely something that's in your reach. And it's it's something that is very important in the community that I built in my classroom. And from the relationships that I've created, that I've built with a lot of my former students, they tell me that it it made an impact for them. And they're at Berkeley and they still talk to me. They're in San Diego, UC San Diego, and we still talk about research. And so it's, I know, I see that it's, that it's happening. I see that it's working and I'm just so grateful that they still want to talk to me about it so I can see and learn from our relationship that I built with them so I can continue to foster those relationships within the classrooms that I have now. So let's fast forward a little bit and to the pandemic, right? And a lot of the teachers were having to upskill themselves, sort of reinvent themselves with the technology. And um, really, initially, I I think uh, a lot of us uh, floundered, right? And it took a while to find our our uh, our grounding. You were early on. You were one of the key people. I think that kind of rose to the challenge. Could you share a little bit about this app that you created that so many teachers use now? Um, through Cal, through Cal State Fortin and AUHSD um, programs that our districts have has created, I have been able to get my bilingual authorization and be a SALA teacher, so a summer language academy teacher, and then a Saturday language academy teacher. And in the summer when SLA was running, I was speaking with a few of the teachers and saying, like, how are how is this happening? Because you're teaching EL online. You're you are literally living this like and we're all going to be living this pretty soon. How are you doing it? And from there, there's like this takes a lot of time in doing this. I have to have this prepared. And it just came down to the resources of what are was being created to support student understanding and learning. And I started looking into different ways to translate things online. I know that Google Doc, you can literally click a button and translate it for you. And that you can also do like a, an add-on for a Google slide, but it's just not enough. Like in my in my class this year, I think I have six languages in one class. And it's for me to do one slide at a time of a PowerPoint. It's just, it was too much. And so I looked at the script that they had for the add-on and this is where I was like, okay, am I really going to do this? And so I started playing with it in the summer and expanding the script and it it was JavaScript. And so I had to do a little bit of learning also for JavaScript and then um, started playing with that coding. And then we were able to make it just a single script so that you can just add it to one Google slide. And then my husband and I are talking about it and we're like, this is good, but it's not enough. Like who wants to do one slide at a time? So we kept work, we kept looking into more JavaScript functions and then we figured out a way to create coding where multiple languages could be selected at the same time. The all slides would be, con- the, any single text box would be translated into the language that you wanted it to do. And that then for fun, we created a one more button so that it would land in your Google uh, Drive in its own folder. So they would just be easy to find your translated um, presentations. Because we wanted to make it easy for teachers to use and for teachers to find so that it wouldn't be another thing that they had to worry about. So, 
What an amazing uh, innovation. So tell us a little bit of feedback that you've got from other teachers. Um, I get a lot of messages from across the district, people that I don't think I'd ever met if it wasn't for this uh, web app. They're just like more, like, give me more. How do I do this? Can you add this language? And so um, it's growing. It's they're using it. Um, I like that people send me the emails, like, look at my new presentation. It's just so it's nice to see that it's being used and that students get to have this resource. It's the most important part. It's the whole point for doing this, that for our students to not have so much of a loss, especially our EL community. And um, I think we're really made me feel the most proud about doing this. It was um, hearing from counselors and um vice principals that they were using it for presentations with parents and for registration. I was like, this is amazing. And so I can, I can end here and just be happy that, that it supported our students at this critical time. Like I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Paula, that the, uh, you know, that has impacted so many of our teachers. I've heard about it and there's a lot of buzz about it. And I think what you've done is, it represents what so many of the teachers have done, right? Stepping it up, stepping it up and really doing the extra. And I, I'm really so proud to be with educators like your, yourself and across the district. You know, we Kennedy is a very special place. And obviously you're an IB teacher, international baccalaureate teacher. It's the only IB school in our district and really has a strong, um, well-established program. But uh, we are about to, uh, we are in the process of launching another major program called Artificial Intelligence. And I think it's going to be the region's leader in artificial intelligence, which will also include our partners at Cypress College and UC Irvine. So what does that mean for science teachers, for example? What does it mean in your field? Science is always changing, which is why I believe it's the best uh, subject and <laughs> content learning. Just 10 years ago, there's been so much change and improvements in purification process, fermentation process. Now we have the CRISPR gene. And so the evolution of, of, of science is so important. And then bringing in AI will be something that will benefit because then you can visualize proteins better. You can do 3D printings of different structures of muscles or organs and then try to figure out different methods and modes to do surgeries or there's, there's so many applications. And so I see it as becoming a great support mechanism for improving upon the systems we already have. So really learning how to integrate artificial intelligence into your core area, whether you're biology, physics, or even an English teacher, right? There's uh, a lot of articles and readings and uh, about it because we really want to ignite the imagination of our young people so that they can see the promise of it. And um, I've had conversations with uh, principal and some of the leadership. It's the other, the flip side of artificial intelligence is sort of an ethical side too, right? Because it's almost like unleashing nuclear power, right? It can be used either way. And we're seeing that happening as well in terms of artificial intelligence. So it is a very 
fast-growing area, and I'm really proud that Kennedy teachers are taking it on and really owning it. And uh, we're going to hear, I, I think, a lot more about uh, artificial intelligence coming out of Kennedy in the near future. In the few mi minutes that we have left, um, Paola, what what advice do you give to young people regarding the future, um, especially like, you know, Kennedy is a, a academically achieving school, right, with the IB and AP already in place. Um, but we have more and more students beginning to question that. And um, I mean, our I know my advice is college is still the way to get there, mm -hmm. right? But we're also seeing Google now offer uh, courses at a fraction of the cost. And uh, you can finish a Google sequence in just a matter of a few months and get a pretty good job. What is your advice to young people? Uh, <laughs> what? Let me see. What I would say to my my own children would be, to pursue your passion and once you're in that, once you're pursuing it, be the best that you can be in it. And so, because we can keep, we can always be better. We can always improve upon what we already have. And so, and not to settle. And so that driving factor of like wanting more, I, I feel it so deeply and I, I want to inspire people to be that way. I think that's wonderful advice, okay, as a parent, pursue your passion, right? So what does that mean as an educator? Because I'm really interested in this student voice and purpose, right? And how do we develop that? How do we connect that with who that kid is? I know that right now we are education is, is shifting to – empower student voices. And I think it's so important because there's so many voices that have been silent for so long. And so what I would say to my students would be that I want them to give it their best shot and then be reflective of the process. Don't look at it, review it. And does it need to be done again and be better about it? And so, and then when you're in that process of reflection, voice your concerns, wants, and needs so that you can learn, practice those skills so that you can take them out into the field so that you can say, well, I've done this already for my job. How can I do this better? What did you feel I was lacking? So that they start practicing those skills of being part of the, of part of the conversation and to growing the next systems. Yeah, I, what you just described is the essence of emotional intelligence, being able to reflect and to grow, continuously grow. So passion, reflection, purpose, words of advice coming from our district teacher of the year, Paula Rosenberg. On behalf of our 30,000 students and our board of trustees, congratulations and thank you so much for this time. Thank you, Mr. Matsuda.